Hello, welcome, and would you look at this mess. I'm your host, Kate, and the purpose of this podcast is to trace, explore, and celebrate the unconventionality that lives within all of us. Okay, so this is officially the first real episode of this podcast. The first trailer was just your small intro The first episode was a bigger intro, uh, a little bit more of a rundown of what to expect, and so this is the first official episode where I'm going to just dive into a topic, and we're going to, we're going to go there. (laughs) So here we go. So I want to talk about um, patriarchy, I guess, is the overarching theme here. But uh, specifically, I want to talk about patriarchy and uh, interactions with feminism and the idea that, you know, over the decades that feminism has been in play, uh, most of the, I don't know, most of the prominent feminist um, ideas that have expounded have dealt more with with women specifically with uh emancipating women from the patriarchal world but the problem is that you actually cannot um pull women out of patriarchy uh in a vacuum and you cannot pull them out of patriarchy um in isolation so you absolutely have to be considering how men and boys fit into the equation and it has to be a joint effort between men and women and this is not to say that there's only the binary that exists of course there's all kinds of there are all kinds of genders and identities that belong on the spectrum and so that's kind of the point too is that even by drawing it down to simply the two binary genders or sexes even you were doing a disservice to anyone who is attempting to um, dismantle patriarchy. And so <clears throat> the title of this episode is something along the lines of, is the future female, right? We see this a lot, at least I do. I see this this very triumphant um, exclamation that the future is female. We print it on shirts and we have it written everywhere. And it seems on the surface like it's a very empowering thing for women. But this to me is one of those things where it's actually saying that we're intending to leave men behind or males behind. And this is a problem for me. And this is a problem for all, a lot, or sorry, not all, a lot of women who are feminists and men who are feminists who are saying, wait, 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 no, we're not talking about leaving men behind. We're talking about um, liberating everyone from patriarchy. We're talking about dismantling patriarchy at its root. And in order to do that, you have to include men in the conversation and they have to be accounted for in whatever it is that we're we're doing um, to, to work towards that liberation and they need to have their own place to fit into this, this, um, these actions. And so, you know, I'm reading, uh, bell hooks, the will to change men, masculinity and love. And a lot of what she's saying is stuff that has 
sort of existed in the back of my mind for a long time, but I haven't been able to find the words to really put it a way that it made sense. And so she's, this book, you know, of course it was written in like 2004, so I'm behind, but um, it is helping me to put some language and some understanding to what it is that I'm feeling, because particularly as a mother of a boy, I'm thinking to myself, you know, like, what is, what is there for him? How is the world going to bat for him? I feel like we, you know, we still have lots of, lots of ways to go in order to, to protect and empower girls and women, but it does feel to me like we've just completely forgotten about that other side of the equation. And what Hooks talks about in her book is, you know, this, this small but loud faction of feminists who believe that men are useless that they don't part, they don't belong as part of the equation, but that is the the minority of, of people feel this way. The majority of feminists really believe that men have a, a part of this and that men suffer as a result of patriarchy, just like women do. It's not just women who are suffering and being abused as a result of the patriarchal structures that exist in our culture. Men also suffer as a result of this. And we see this suffering um, appear in the lives of men and adolescents um, through anger and rage and through violence. And so I think to myself, you know, again, going back to the fact that I, I have a little son who he is just this, this beautiful, tender little boy who he loves um, trucks and dinosaurs, but he also loves dolls and he loves his sister. So I have struggled with trying to figure out how he's going to fit into the world because it feels like men are treated like the enemy a lot of the time. And that is not the case either. Men are not the enemy. We should not be focusing on trying to exclude men and to that end, we also need to th rethink the fact that we are simply trying to force women into, into historically male gender roles or men's gender roles, right? We're, we're so adamant that women need to be in the workforce and they need to be those power-hungry type women who go after the things that men have always had. And I will offer the caveat here that, of course, as Hooks points out, um, what, what we've aimed for is actually what the privileged white men have had, the power that they have, because men from different racial, cultural, and ethnic bath backgrounds were not the men that have had the power historically. And so when feminism, along the way, feminism has really focused a lot on um, white privileged uh, power. And so there is this intersectionality that exists that we also have to be confronting and discussing. And so we're trying to bring not only women the, the this power, but also other men who have also been denied access. And so perhaps rethinking what the structure of society might actually look like versus so this is similar in terms of racial dialogue that's going on right now. I've noticed as well, um, there's a lot of this discussion about when you're talking about bringing black people or indigenous people into 
uh, success and wealth, you're talking about bringing them into a dominant white culture. You're not talking about appreciating their culture, getting generating value based in their culture and their perspectives and their lives. You're saying be more white and then you will find success and wealth. And so we want to try to flip that on its head in the same way with patriarchy where we're saying maybe we shouldn't be looking at becoming more violent and power hungry and figuring out a different way to get at whatever it is that we're looking for, right? So we want to be able to express emotion. We want to be able to be vulnerable and to experience love and live in a, a world and live a life where we get to enjoy our ourselves, enjoy uh, the things that we have rather than, you know, um, as Hooks points out in her book, patriarchy tells men that they need to work and that's the, that's what their identity is based around and that they will find fulfillment through work and they don't and then they direct blame at other things but really it's the patriarchal messages that they get that are selling them short and similarly she talks about this in terms of sexual activity and sexualization and um, men having to be consistently experiencing sexual um, imagery and, and actions and that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> again, this is supposed to be fulfillment for them, and it's not, and it creates this sort of addictive, um, this drive to continue going after it because you're looking for that thing that's missing and you're never quite getting it. So <laughs> all of that being said... Um, I wanted to sort of switch gears here and talk a little bit about raising my son to be anti-patriarchy. And the problem, the problem fundamentally with doing this is that neither my partner nor I are truly anti-patriarchal in our own lives, in our own beings. Uh, and so it's, it's very much breaking an intergenerational cycle of patriarchal culture and structure when we simply don't have the equipment to do this. And so it's a consistent learning experience for me especially, and well, and for him too, for, my, for Nick too. Um, he perhaps is, I don't know, I don't want to say like, he's not less inclined to do these things, but he's certainly maybe more entrenched in it than I am because men, the same thing. So, I'm gonna, so all, a lot of this will relate back to racial stuff too, because it's easy to use these, these analogously, but similarly where white people are not often confronted by their white privilege, by their whiteness, men are not often confronted by their patri by pa patriarchy either. Um, so it's easier for men to exist in the world without having to have a whole lot of a sense of awareness of what's happening to women and people who don't possess power um, simply because they do. And so it's just it's just harder for them. So <clears throat> it's like I said, this is something that that we are we are both actively working through. We're working towards, you know, F figuring these things out for our children's sake because we want both of our children to have the opportunity to reach their full potential as people and patriarchy really cuts people short particularly boys in terms of their emotional development boys are not allowed or permitted to develop 
their full emotional range because they're told from a fairly young age that it's simply not their place in society to be sensitive, to be in tune with their emotions, to feel those things. All of that energy gets directed towards that anger and that rage and that violence that we see. So, um, you know, right from the beginning of my children's lives, I've made attempts or I've made it my priority to not gender them as much as I can. You know, when they were babies, they would, they would, wear and play with some things that were traditional gendered things, but I tried to balance it out by giving them toys that were non-gender specific or dress them in things that were non-gender specific. Um, Interestingly, both of our children were born with a lot of hair and their hair grew in very thick and very quickly. So from very young ages, they both had quite thick, long hair. And so our daughter, she was born first she was always a girl. No one has ever called her a boy. However, my our son, he was also born with a lot of hair and it grew in and it's beautiful and thick and luscious and just oh, all the hair envy. But he, almost 100% of people, basically 99.9% of people that meet him think he's a girl and they call him a girl. And so this is something that I like. I didn't have to ever confront this with my daughter because no one ever called her a boy, so it was never something I had to think about. And then, as you know, time went on with my son. Again, it doesn't it, like, it doesn't matter what they wear; it's the hair. The hair is what matters because he could be wearing, you know, uh, like I could say like little dude on his shirt. Not that I really put him in things like that anyway, but even that would not would not be as strong of a signal to someone of the gender of a child than their hair. So that I find to be an interesting little thing. But anyway, so as I've moved through this experience with my son, I've never corrected anybody. Like, I, no, that's not true. Um, recently, someone said, oh, is this your daughter? And I said, well, no, it's my son. And they went, oh, oh, yes, of course, it's a boy. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't care. Um, and this instance was somebody that, like, I, I do know them. I had met them through a friend. And anyways, so the likelihood of seeing them again at some point is, is pretty high. So I didn't want them to, you know, feel stupid later on um, if, they, if it occurred to them later that, that he was a boy. Anyway, but if we meet strangers, we meet people somewhere and they say, oh, like this happens a lot. Oh, what a beautiful little girl. Look at her hair or things like that. I go, yeah, <laughs> you know, because at the, at the core of it, I really don't think that it's a good idea to say, oh, no, no, he's a boy. Oh, s- sorry. No, he's a boy. And, and do that thing where like you have to correct someone. They, ha- you have, they have to know that they've made a mistake um, because A – it's not necessary. It's really not. Um, children are essentially androgynous until puberty. So it could go either way. And it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Also, because gender is a construct in some in, in a lot of senses. So it's presumptuous to assume that you know what your child's gender is before they've had an opportunity to tell you that maybe it's not what you assume it is. Um, I say in, in most cases, it's it's a construct because there is some uh, evidence to support a sort of a biological aspect to gender, but certainly gender roles and things like that are constructs within our culture. So there's there's some nuance there. But the other thing that 
the reason why I don't correct people is because I also don't want to send my the message to my son that the worst possible thing that could happen to him is that someone thinks he's a girl <laughs> because it's really not a big deal. And again, and I would I would do the same thing if it were my daughter. I wouldn't correct people and because some people they they can get quite offended when people call their children by a gender that they assume that they're not. Um, and it just it seems to me like you're sending your child a very strong message like, oh, you couldn't, like, you shouldn't allow anyone to misgender you or or think that you're this other gender because why? Is it bad? Is there something wrong with that other gender? Like, why is it such a big deal that they might not know that you're a boy or you're a girl? And so I just try to be neutral about it. Like, hmm, whatever. <laughs> no biggie. They thought you were a girl. Okay. <laughs> So I don't know. I don't know if that all makes sense, but that's kind of where my brain is at when I think about this stuff. And I clearly think a lot about these things, but I, I am always trying to be a disruptor. <laughs> that's like my life goal is to disrupt the, the conventions and hence why I'm here doing this podcast. Um, so things like that matter to me and but and so I, in addition to that, I also uh, I talk to my son in ways that I try to be neutral as well. I do call him buddy occasionally, but I try to use the same ter like terms for both of my kids. And so I'll call them love or lover or bubs or whatever. You know, I just kind of try to be, use these neutral terms. Incidentally, my son hates any kind of pet names. And so if he thinks that you, you've used a pet name, even if you haven't used a pet name, he will correct you and say, I'm not righty, I'm Bobby. So <laughs> anyway, I don't really use a lot of pet names for him right now anyway, because he simply does not accept them, which is fine. But um, yeah, so I'm conscious of that kind of stuff. And I'm also really conscious of how he dresses, what kind of clothing he has access to. Um, and so not only will he get hand-me-downs from his sister um, over the summer, we were going to a party and she dressed in a really cute dress and he wanted to wear a really cute dress too. So they both wore these really cute dresses and their pretty shoes, and they had their hair and pigtails, and everyone thought he was a girl, and that was totally fine. We just rolled with it. It didn't matter. Um, and uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, so then also, so not only does he get hand-me-downs from his sister, I also will just straight up buy him girl clothing, or clothing that that is in the ostensibly girl section, um, because he enjoys things like that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with him wearing those kinds of clothes. So he just, he gets those clothes, you know, that's just, <laughs> he wears them or he doesn't wear them. And it's up to him. Ultimately, you know, I, I get him what I think he might like, and then he picks what he wants to wear. So, um, yeah, I'm really, really conscious of that kind of stuff. I'm also super conscious of empowering him about his penis and his testicles I think a lot of moms especially have this tendency to demonize penises and go, oh, yucky or ew or just react kind of badly, which I understand because like I'm personally not a huge fan of penises because of the way that they can be wielded against women in sexual ways. 
Um, but at the same time, the only way that I can see to disrupt that type of phenomena is to give our boys so much love and acceptance and reassurance around the fact that they own, they have their penis owners. They have penises attached to their bodies. And the best way, at least this is my, obviously my opinion, the best way to empower them to take those with them and use them appropriately and not abuse them and not abuse other people with them is to tell them that this is these are this is a wonderful thing that you have. This is a beautiful thing and I think you should explore it and get to know it and not be ashamed that you have it. Um, because it's it's often rooted in the repression of sexual feelings and sexuality and those kinds of uh, concepts that I think lead to boys and men being violent towards women or other men because they're not permitted to explore that side of themselves. It's gross or it's yucky or it's it's perverse. And so there's no real outlet for them to explore it in a positive way. So that's how I feel about that. And like I said, like I, I try to embrace that um, part of him as much as I possibly can when I have his diaper off and he touches his penis, I say, oh, yep, there's your penis. And like, I just try to be light and uh, confident in it. And then, yeah, empower him to when the time comes. He's only three now. I didn't find my daughter started to uh, she didn't start to s sort of explore her body more that way until she was closer to four. So I don't know what will happen with him. But whenever it happens, you know, I'm I'm, I'm totally down to just let him know that it's all good if he wants to explore himself that way and do it in, in, in his own time, of course. <laughs> um, just like daddy and I don't do things in front of you, you don't have to do things in front of me either. <laughs> but at least for the, so the, for the time being, at least as it gets initiated into his, his sexual identity that, you know, the, the conversation will be based around what's, when the appropriate time is to do those things, but that it is totally normal and totally okay to do that. For me, a lot of this is all coming into a sort of package for boys specifically, which tells them that they are loved, that they are open to having feelings, that they're permitted to explore those feelings, that we want to um, equip them with the ability to understand and identify and express their feelings the best way that they can. Um, and so, you know, part of what I was saying earlier was that we are not equipped for this. And it is true that even as women, um, there's this, I don't know, there's this phenomenon. Again, I wasn't, this is something that Bell Hooks brought up in her book, and it was sort of an aha moment for me because she was talking about how she had an ex-partner who suddenly wanted to express feelings to her and wanted to, to, to explore these things, and she was completely incapable of accepting and receiving it. And I thought to myself, oh, damn. I do that. I totally do that. When my when Nick comes to me and he's feeling vulnerable and upset about something, I'm so not patient enough with him to give him the space to feel those things because I'm also um, I've also been indoctrinated into patriarchal culture where men are these 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 stoic statuesque beings who just don't feel things. 
and you can rely on them because they're stable. And so when that stability is suddenly being pulled out from beneath you, you feel destabilized. And so for me, my experience, and I'm sure there is some relatability here, uh, it leads to those feelings of anxiety and often comes out as, as anger, right? You're angry at this person because they're not um, filling the role that you, that in your mind that they're supposed to fill. And so I have struggled with that. And this is something where we, where I, I say, you know, like we all have to work at this together. This is not an issue. This is feminism and, and di- di- dismantling patriarchy is not something that women can do in isolation. We cannot do this alone. We need to have men on our sides. We need to be working as a united front with men and bring more men into the the true feminist ideologies, the, the ones that we actually believe in, not the ones that the minority of women who are fed up with men believe in. <laughs> I really want to be totally clear in stating that I don't think that we've arrived necessarily where it concerns supporting girls and women. Um, And so there's plenty of work to do on that side of things as well. But I wanted to focus this discussion on how we are showing up and supporting men and boys specifically because they have been disregarded and left out of these conversations. And so we've created this environment which actually makes patriarchy more palatable for men because it's the only thing that they have. And so it actually, in some senses, I think accentuates the revenge and the violence that is instilled in boys and men because now we are demonizing patriarchal masculinity um, without giving them any other options. We're saying you as individuals are biologically determined to be like this and we're not going to accept you um being like that and and there's no other uh, no other path for you ultimately what i am getting at is that when we think of promoting gender equality i think anyway what often is conjured in the mind is making women more like men and what I, th- I believe we really should be focusing on is a true equalization of gender and accepting and promoting the strengths of all of the genders that exist within the spectrum and not prioritizing one gender over another. And so certainly we don't want to prioritize men over women. We don't want to prioritize women over men. And that's what the root of this whole idea of is the future female, is it though? That's where it comes from because I don't believe that feminism truly is about building women up above men. I believe that it is, again, is this equalization within the gender spectrum. And I'm going to finish up here just by saying that these are my thoughts about this sort of thing in this moment. Um, I am still doing lots of work in understanding these things and 
and framing them in my own mind and how I how I raise my children and I treat my children. So they are subject to change. And certainly, if you have an opinion about this or a perspective on it that you want to share, please, by all means, contact me. Let's talk about it. Um, and I will continue talking about this probably over time because, again, as as time goes on, it's, it's going to evolve my perspectives and my um, approaches to parenting and to my own life. I will probably at some point also produce an episode that focuses specifically on my relationship with my husband in our journey um, working through this stuff too. So I want to thank you so much for joining me again today. Um, I'm so grateful that you are here, and again, I would love to hear from you. If you have opinions or perspectives on this, please do share them with me. If I can ask you a favor, can you please rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it from? Um, This really, really helps get the podcast into more people's ears. Uh, You can also hit the subscribe button, which will help you to get access to all of the episodes that come out as they come out. And um, yeah, I hope you have a good one. We'll see you next time.